This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple Life. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Simple Life podcast. So glad you're here to join me. Doing a solo show today. We're just going to kind of talk about what I've been working on, a new tool I picked up, and a lesson. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is the third time I've started recording this, and every time <laughs> I went I went to coronavirus and I went to COVID-19 and my personal beliefs about it. I'm going to I'm going to try not to do that cuz I don't want to record this more times than I already have. The two times I've done uh over 10 minutes in and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, come on." Come on, Jer, what you doing? So, we're not doing that. I've been working on a, uh, so let me kind of set this up. We have in, in our bedroom on one of the walls, we've got nothing. So there's no doors, there's no windows, it's just a wall. And what thing we've wanted to do was put in some type of a custom bookshelf. We talked about building like a bookshelf on the entire wall. We started looking around and we, we saw that the people take these Billy bookcases from Ikea and they kind of put them all together, screw them together, screw them to the wall, and you can kind of trim them out that make them look like they're custom, like it's a custom built-in. And so we thought that would be really cool. It would save a lot of time, kind of measured up the wall, and we thought, you know what, I think we can shoehorn five of these bookcases in there. So my wife went and picked them up. We put them all together. Actually, she put them all together while I was working in the garage on Saturday, and we went to slide them in. And we kind of started from the outside walls. I had to cut a little bit of baseboard out uh, so that it truly looked like a built-in, like a custom piece of furniture. And we put the outside ones in, then the two but go beside that. And the last one to go is the center one. And it looked really small. I'm like, oh, dude, that, that's not going to fit. That's not going to fit at all. I think these are 31 and a half inches width overall. It looked like a 19-inch gap. And it, it must have just been some type of an illusion you know, when you see all these things, because I was literally, I was like, there's no way on earth it's even going to go sideways, let alone broad. And uh, we went, put it up there. I'm like, well, I guess it's not going to be that tight. And it was the perfect fit. I mean, it it, kind of lined up, you give it a little shove and it just started going in. We slid it in. It didn't take a lot of force, but there's absolutely no gap between any one of these bookshelves and the walls. It is absolutely insane. I don't know how we lucked out with that, but that was really cool. So uh, throw this next week in the evenings, what I'm going to be doing is cutting and and making some custom trim pieces out of like MDF, uh, shaping them, routering, painting and then trimming this thing out so that it looks like it was actually custom built uh, with real wood, (laughs) you know, not just this this cheap Ikea furniture. I've got a love-hate relationship with Ikea. Um, I actually really like assembling their furniture because it's very logical. It it makes so much sense. I'm like, wow, this is easy. Our entire kitchen, all of our bathrooms are all Ikea. Uh, You know, their, their countertop stuff, their cabinetry, not their furniture, but their cabinets. But I absolutely love putting together Ikea furniture. I know it's weird. I know a lot of people are like, that's that's dumb. That's boring. I hate it. Um, but it actually lasts. Like if you put it together properly and you use it within, you know, the rounds of normal use, I'm actually impressed that, that, that it holds up. And I know it's this whole thing like, you know, you're supporting some big, huge factory somewhere. Yeah, this is true. Um, obviously getting somebody to do custom cabinetry for you is, I mean, that's, that's different snack bracket, right? I mean, you got to have a boatload of money. We had uh full custom kitchens built in a house we used to own 
Um, and I, what did we pay? It was a small, small kitchen. We didn't live there very long. We actually turned it into a rental property, but I think it was like $18,000, uh, for custom cabinets. And I think we did a house we're in now for, I, I shouldn't say necessarily, but it was way less than that. We had some quotes for, you know, people that do custom cabinets, even had like quotes from the local Hutterites that do cabinets and they do really good work, but they, they they said, okay, can we do it? I said, well, I'm sorry. No, that's, you know, I can get Ikea stuff for like a fifth of what I can get for yours. And I know it's kind of this struggle, like, you know, buying handcrafted, good quality versus cheap Chinese made stuff. I don't know where they make Ikea. I, I don't know if it's in China or not, but anyways, we have Ikea bookshelves going in and by the time I'm done with it, it's going to look really good. And in order to make this whole thing work, I had to get this saw. Uh, have you ever seen those? They're like an oscillating saw, or I think they call them a multi-tool. And basically it's just, you know, it's, it almost looks like an angle grinder, but where you would have the disc, it's, you put a blade on that either sticks straight out. Some of them are like rounded and it doesn't rotate. It just oscillates. It goes back and forth. And I always thought these tools were kind of a joke. I was like, <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. I thought they were a little howdy-doody homeowner. Hey, look at me. I got a tool. <laughs> that's kind of what I thought of them. You know, my dad never had one. Grandpa never had one. No, that's not a real tool. But to cut these baseboards, uh, the builder who had built our house, he actually put silicone on the joint between the baseboard and the wall, which is really stupid. First of all, I think it looks dumb. I don't know if he was just doing it to hide poor craftsmanship, but the other real problem with that is that white silicone shows dust like instantly, like so fast. So ugh, it's just terrible. If I, if I was there and I had seen him doing that, I'd have just been like, no, 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 stop. You're not, you're not doing that. And then add to the fact that, you know, there are times when you're going to do something, move something, put a piece of furniture and you need to take the baseboards off to cut it down, whatever. I couldn't do that because I basically would have to rip up all the silicone we did take the baseboard on the wall uh, that this bookshelves were going against and it started peeling up the paint. So I, I didn't want to take a chance of that. So how am I going to cut this baseboard? I need to cut it so that, you know, the, the bookshelf could go flush against the wall. And I had no way of doing it without taking that off. And then I thought I'm going to try on one of these goofy little saws. So my wife was in, in the city. I had her pick one up. I picked up a Milwaukee because that's what I have, uh, all Milwaukee tools. And I was going to get the corded one. But then I thought about that. You know, this tool is something that I'm going to take to the work. You know, a chop saw, you typically bring the work to it. A table saw, you bring the work to the table saw. A tool like a drill or these little things, even angle grinders, I'm starting to to be convinced that cordless could often be a good way to go, depending on, on the type of work you do. If it's, you know, repair stuff, then definitely cordless. If you're in like repair business where you're always moving around, you're fixing things at different locations. In a fab shop, I think corded tools are often better because typically they're a lot cheaper. Uh, they, you're not charging batteries, which is actually a huge time waste. And then often they're more powerful too. But for this tool, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a cordless version. And I was impressed absolutely impressed. Now, if you've never seen these tools, one of the really interesting things about them is that they kind of, if you look in the teeth, they've got a saw blade and the teeth are all in a row. Well, that is the direction that they vibrate up and down in. And you can get different size blades, different shaped blades. But the really neat thing about this is that say if you needed to cut a hole for like a light switch, you can take this blade and just push it through the material and it cuts into it. 
you know, before, if I had to do something like that, what I would have done was drill a hole, you know, kind of mark out your rectangle, drill a hole, and then use a jigsaw and cut around. And you got to kind of do a couple curved cuts and then straighten those cuts up after. And it takes, it's quick. It's not that long, but it's kind of a pain. It's two tools you need. Whereas this thing, you just take this thing and just push it in and it just cuts straight in. Um, typically, these are better for straight lines because of the fact that, you know, they're vibrating along the, the length of the teeth. Uh, so it's kind of hard to, to do curves or anything like that. But my goodness, for, for cutting this baseboard, it was so slick. I just kind of marked it out and just bzz, 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 push it around, done. So I'm really, really happy with that. And this was a tool that I was like, you know what? I thought this thing was a complete joke, but I changed my mind. It's actually an interesting little tool. So that's going to be ongoing. We are going to uh, continue with that in the evenings, uh, trimming it out, making it look all really nice. I'm not doing a video on that because I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's boring. I'm not really interested in it. I'm interested in how it looks. I love, it's already changed the way our, our room looks. We're going to have d doors on the bottom of it and then shelves on the top. And then also we're starting up with uh, the Air Cadet program soon. So that's going to take quite a bit of my time in the evenings. I'm the chair of the sponsoring committee, the squadron sponsoring committee. So we basically do the fundraising, uh, make sure they've got locations to do what they need to do, look after busing, transportation, all that stuff. And the activities they do, I set those up. I'm, I do all the bookings and we've got our first meeting tonight. So I'm actually pretty excited to, to get into that. Um, Obviously, we, you know, with the with this whole Corona stuff, we got back from vacation. We had one evening on parade with the cadets, one staff meeting uh, with the officers and the SSE, which is a, the sponsoring committee. And then we were shut down. So I'm really looking forward to hanging out and seeing these people. I'm pretty sure we're going to have to keep our social distance or wear a mask. I don't know. I don't know. But I like the people that I serve with. And, you know, you, you kind of become friends. You develop bonds because especially as a volunteer you know all of us parents were volunteering we're doing what we need to do what we have to do to make sure that our children have these have these options for them and when you volunteer with people there's just a certain level of you know you're working together for the same thing so I'm really really excited to be getting back into that but it is going to take a lot of time like I said it's about two to three evenings a week and so that will cut into family time a little bit, except for the fact that three of uh, my kids will be in the cadet program this year. And so that's kind of the fun thing, too, is that I'm always there with them. Uh, my wife is involved a little bit, too. She's just like a parent volunteer, does kind of whatever she can in the background to help out. So that's exciting. It'll be interesting to see how we make this work, uh, try and keep the kids' classes and the things that they learn going while maintaining protocols. Uh, that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but we've got some new buildings we can work in here, so it'll be fun. So a little lesson that I, I taught myself actually on this weekend, and if, if you follow my other YouTube channel, Jeremy Gertz, you probably have heard this. This was the last video I put up, but I thought I'd share it here because it's very pertinent to the times that we all live in, you know, the, the, the general state of society right now, a lot of angst, a lot of tension we're not getting along well with each other and, and I don't know let's get to this story so my wife and I we wanted to get out of the town that we lived in uh, 13,000 people small city whatever we had, we had a beautiful house we had a really nice house actually I liked it it was a, a two-story house and when you came in the front entry uh, there's a staircase that kind of came up from the living room it was a big open concept I, th I think in the living room are 
Our ceilings were like 20-some feet high, maybe higher than that. I don't know. But this stairway came up, and we actually had a bridge over our front entryway that was like you walked across to get to the upstairs bedrooms. Um, I, don't, I don't know why I'm saying all this. It was just it was an amazing house. And, and for me to ever think, even I look back, I'm like, why on earth did we leave that house? That, that was such a nice house. Beautiful yard. We had a, a kind of a pie-shaped lot. Uh, we weren't on a cul-de-sac, but we were on a corner of a road, which was nice. So, so people aren't driving by super fast, and you can have that big cul-de-sac curve. And then our front yard was quite small, which I didn't mind because that means I had to do less shoveling, less sidewalking from my house. But our backyard was huge, and it was big pie-shaped thing. I don't know. I think the back fence line was 180 feet or something like that, a very nice-sized yard. And, you know, I, I still just, I wanted to be out in the country. I wanted a little bit more freedom. I wanted to be able to do my own thing. Uh, I'm a man who loves freedom and independence. Maybe even independence more than freedom. Uh, I do not like government assistance for pretty much anything. And I know that's kind of a weird statement to make when you think about the fact that, okay, the roads I drive, you know, all these things. It's it's a deep. That's a whole deep, deep conversation. But as a general, a general idea, I love freedom and I love independence. I want to do for myself. Um, you know, when I got laid off from Sanjel, I didn't go on employment insurance, and I could have. It's available to me. Instead, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try and sell knives. I'm going to I'm going to make it on my own. That's just the way I think. So we find the land that we now live on. It was 13 acres, and it was 10 minutes from Strathmore. So that was really nice. You know, around here, if you buy three acres or 20 acres, you're pretty much going to pay the exact same price. And it's hard to find these parcels because a lot of this land is farmland that's been in families from generation to generation. They're not dividing it up. Or when they do, often what they'll do is they'll take a little area and be like, okay, let's put five three-acre lots on here. Ideally, what we had wanted was between 20 to 40 acres, but... Without, you know, without driving like a half hour, 45 minutes out of town, you really, really can't find stuff. And we had been actively looking for land probably for five years and kind of thinking about it and just kind of seeing what's out there probably for 10. So it was a long time coming, but we found our land. And then there's a whole story with that. You know, we we just wanted to secure the land. We were never planning on moving out right away. And then I got laid off at San John. I thought, well, what do we do now? And that's, you know, that's when we sold our house in town, <laughs> bought a fifth wheel, parked it out here and lived in that for two and a half years. Uh, very interesting when we kind of round out the story to think about this. So think about the fact that we, we bought a fifth wheel, we parked it out here. We lived in the fifth wheel. I worked in a shipping container. Okay, just lock that away and hold that for later. Now, when we bought this land, uh, there's a highway and then we're down a gravel road. And there's one, two, there's three houses between our property and the, the highway. Not three. Yeah. One, two, yeah. Three. Now there's six. And we bought this land. We put our trailer there. Then the little piece beside me went for sale. Those three acres and my neighbor bought it. And then a little piece beside them went for sale and was sold. And so now there's six people. And it's funny because I, I have this attitude and I say, we were out here first. <laughs> and as soon as that, as soon as that even comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh brother, you know, how, how entitled, how selfish are you? I was here first. 
And it's kind of true. And, you know, I'd see somebody buy the land and I'd see them start building a house. I'm like, ah, seriously, come on, another neighbor. And then, you know, beside them, they build their house. I'm like, seriously, come on, another neighbor. And then I think about the fact, what did my neighbors that were actually here before me think? There's this couple uh, from the city, and they were looking for a place to have a garden right when all this pandemic started. And my next door neighbor across the road, a super nice guy. He might he immigrated from Mexico. Hardworking guy. He's retired. The nicest guy on earth. We'll give you anything. You tell him, say, hey, I need this shirt. He used to. We, when we had goats, he would cut his lawn. He's got this big, huge John Deere riding mower. And he had the grass collection system. He would actually go cut his lawn. When that got full, he'd drive down the road. He only lives a little little ways away. But he asked us if we could feed uh, the sheep and goats this grass that he just cut. So literally... Every time he mowed his lawn, he would make five trips into our yard, go down to the corrals, dump the grass for our animals, and then come back. Just if he could do something to help you out, he would. He would give you anything. I said in my YouTube video that I could ask for his pickup truck and say, listen, I want, I want to own your truck. Will you give me your truck? I truly believe that he would. Now, the one thing with people like that, and I didn't really talk about it in the YouTube video, but they often get taken advantage of. You know... I always say the last thing I want to be is a nice guy. I want to be a good man, but not a nice guy. There's a difference. Anyways, so this couple comes out and wants to plant a garden. And my neighbor had this big garden plot. And he wasn't growing one for this year. I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, maybe he had too much on the, on the go. But he said, sure, yeah, you can plant a garden here. And it was very interesting because in the beginning of this whole pandemic, when we're supposed to be social distancing, uh, you know, this car's coming out here two, three, four, five times a week. I'm like, I, I didn't know they were there for the garden. It wasn't until I talked to my neighbor a few weeks later. And I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's interesting. And uh, I thought, cool. And so a couple of weeks go by and then my neighbor came over and asked if we had any issues if they parked their RV. So these, this couple from the city, and this isn't the town that we lived outside of. This is the, the city of Calgary. This couple that came out here and, and they're gardening out here and they want to store their fifth wheel here. And I was like, oh, Marcos, Marcos. I just, I just kind of see the way this is heading and I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's getting taken advantage of, but it's not my business. I said, yeah, it's your land. If you want to let them park your fifth wheel there, then they can park their fifth wheel there. So they bring out their fifth wheel and then they start camping in it. There is one lone tree over there. And this is kind of a field that he uses for uh, equipment storage. You know, he's got his haybine, his rakes, a, a lot of large farm implements are kind of in this little pasture hay area that's fenced off so his cows don't get in there. And there's one tree, a very large poplar tree. And that's where they put their trailer. And I thought, well, that's weird. If I was going to store a trailer, I would not put it underneath a tree. Especially, I've seen half this tree fall down in a storm once. But, hey, wait a minute. There could be a silver lining to this situation. Anyways, we won't talk about that because that's not friendly. So, they start camping there. And I was like, really? Like, I, I do, I, I buy the land, I move out here, I build a house, and I try to get away from people. And then, ugh, I got campers, like, right in front of my house. And they're not right in front of my house. They're in front of my property. They're closer to actually one of my other neighbors than to me, but 
it's still, it's the whole idea. It's like, really? It's, oh, man, come on. You know, there's a certain sense where I think, <laughs> if you want to enjoy this life, pony it up. Go buy yourself a piece of land. Find yourself a little slice of freedom and, and pay for it. Work for it. Anyways, I thought, whatever. It's not, not my land. I, I can't deal with it. And then they start driving my neighbor's bobcat. He's got two bobcats, and they start driving one of them back and forth. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Marcos, what are you doing? I think they're digging up a little garden plot there so that they can have their own garden. It's interesting how it shifted from, can we, you know, use a little bit of your garden here to they dug out one of his pastures and put their own garden in. And then they start building some structures with old pallets. I've no clue. I speculate there's some type of a compost setup because that seems to be the the hipster trendy little off-grid thing to do. But now I've got to look at that. And then over the weekend was kind of like when this whole thing came to a crux. A semi-truck slowly driving down the road and he's got a shipping container on the back. And these people had gotten there about an hour before, opened up the gate to my neighbor's pasture where they live, vacation home, I don't know. And I thought that thing better not be going into there. And it did. Backs up, drops off a, I think it's a 50-some foot container. It's not a shipping container, a metal one like mine. It's more of just a like a semi-truck box, the aluminum ones. I used to do, I worked for a company once, so we repaired them, put new paneling on them and stuff, but they have this thing now sitting out in the field. And I I kind of lost it. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? No, no, mm-mm, nope, done. I told my wife, I said, I'm calling the county on these guys. They, they can't do this. I was hot. I was hot for about 10 minutes, like mad. I was thinking about just starting throwing my slingshot, just start shooting some rocks over at them. And then I realized that, you know what? The county has stipulations on buildings that are like permanent. Anything over 100 square feet needs a permit for. They don't like shipping containers and they're trying to put outlaws on shipping containers because they can't control those because they're temporary structures. Just like these people have. Their shipping container, their RV it's all temporary. It can all be moved. And I kind of dug into that even further. And I thought, well, you know what? There, This is literally a battle that I can't win going through the system, through the means. But then I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. That's not my land. I didn't buy that land. I bought my 13 acres. As with the neighbors who built their houses... I didn't buy that land. I bought my land. And then I think about the fact that, you know, when I moved here, when we lived in a fifth wheel, my neighbors were kind to me. I'm sure they felt the same way. I'm, I guarantee they're like, ah, really? More people? Because we all do. We don't want to, people that move out into the country, they do it so they can be uh, away from people. They don't want all the hubbub, all the noise, all the, the busyness of people all around them. They want a little space. They want a little room for themselves. And yet when we moved there, my neighbors were amazing to us. 
And it made me realize how hypocritical I was in thinking that, hey, you can't put that trailer there. You can't have a garden there. You can't put that container there. It's not my land. Now, if I want that to go away, I could save up a whole bunch of money and go to my neighbor and say, can I buy your land and take it as my own? But until I do that, I don't have a right to, to really even care about what's going on over there. And I know we do have to look at this uh, from the other side, too. It's good that there are building codes and stipulations. You know, I wouldn't want somebody to buy the land beside me and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to put in a paper factory. Or I'm going to put in a landfill, right? Different zoning and, and this and that is good. And they even have stipulations on how much land a farmer is allowed to subdivide because you could just take a field and say, okay, we're going to make this all, you know, three acre parcels. And obviously there's a huge infrastructure hit that would happen. So these codes, I, I think they're there for a good reason. But then at the same time, what about freedom? I want to be able to do what I want on my land. You know, when we bought our land, if I had a neighbor come over and be like, hey, what are you doing with this trailer? Why are you living here? I don't like that sea can there. Man, it wouldn't have gone well for them. I believe in freedom and independence. And if I truly do believe in that, I need to extend it to everyone. And that lesson also got me thinking about what's happening right now in society uh how short and chippy we are with each other how we all seem to think that my opinion should be foisted upon everyone else if i believe something about something then we all have to act based on how i think look at probably one of the most controversial things going on around here at least is the whole mask mandate You have to wear a mask. It's interesting to think about. And the biggest thing is that, you know, I don't like those people having a trailer there, but it's their right. It's not their right. It's my neighbor's right to let them. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe they pay him. Maybe they rent that land from him. Maybe he just really likes them and is trying to be kind, but it's not my right. What goes on there, it's his. And I think if we can kind of take this outlook at people, you know, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the mask laws for various reasons. And it's, it's more than could be properly discussed in a podcast. This is ultimately, this is a one-sided thing. And I heard an interesting uh, mention that, you know, if, if I believe that I should have the choice, whether I wear a mask or not, then does the store have a right as to whether they let people in with a mask or without a mask. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if I were to say, okay, I want freedom, I want to be able to say, hey, I don't want to wear a mask. Okay, good. You got that. But then that store says, well, you can't come in without a mask. And I'm like, no, 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 I have a right. Well, I have a right to what I do. Should they not also have a right to what they do? It's interesting because I never really thought about it like that. And again, I don't want to get into this whole thing. I know there's a lot of people that feel very strongly about masks and a lot of people that feel strongly against masks. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, and quite frankly, um, I'm not here to to put this opinion, this idea uh, of masks on anybody. And I don't really care what your reasoning for wearing masks are. Um, trust me, I've heard everything and on both sides. That's not what this is. It's about the whole idea of 
hypocrisy and saying, hey, do we want to be free? Do we, do we want freedom and independence? And if we truly do, we need to all have it. We need to have it equally. We need to be free and clear. Obviously, if what you do is going to very negatively impact somebody else, then then, then we need to look at that with a, a, a different lens, right? I mean, if I just want to say, hey, I want to be able to shoot pop cans in any direction from my house, I can't do that because I got neighbors there, right? So that, that would directly impact their lives. But beyond that, what I do on my land is in my own business. So that's kind of a lesson I thought, and it was actually a really interesting reality check. And and to let you know, I feel just a huge sense of, ah, I feel so relieved. I'm not worried about it. Every time they're out there doing whatever they do, I'm not like, ah, you dirty rotters, you stupid little city hipsters. I'm not doing that anymore because I'm like, you know what? That's not my land. And I can do what I want here and they shouldn't be bothered with it. They shouldn't care because it's not their right to care about what I do on my land. Just like it's not my right to care what my neighbor lets other people do on his land. So that's the story. That's the story I had for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, I'm trying to find a recommendation right now. Let me see what I can come up with. Um... My internet connection is slower than a herd of turtles at this particular moment, so I can't find... Like, literally, it's, it's not loading. Come on, this is ridiculous. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, ba, 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 ba. What have I been watching? Okay, I'm I'm actually going to... I got one. So this is going to be... Uh, ah, controversial? No. Uh, there is a news channel on YouTube called Rebel News, and they are a legitimate... Uh, news agency, but they don't get credit as such because they're not one of the big players. But the thing I really do like is that they're kind of like the underdogs. You know, they're they're digging into the stories from the side that stories are very rarely dug into. Now, this is a Canadian news channel, so it has a lot to do with that. Uh, one thing that's kind of funny is that they caught the mayor of Brampton, Ontario, uh, playing hockey when he had actually closed all the arenas. So he said, nobody's allowed to be in an arena. You're not allowed to skate, not allowed to do any sports. And there's one arena that was open. So him and his friends can play. And they actually caught him on camera. <laughs> and the, the look on his face was incredible. He's like, oh, no, I just got caught. Anyways, they do a lot of videos. They do probably a couple a day. I think generally they probably do a lot of stories that I want to see and I'm like, oh, I want to find that side of it out. I want the truth. I want to dig and rather than just hearing what's been fed to us and, you know, people trying to cover up the tracks, these guys are like, hey, let's let's get to it. Let's find out what's happening. But when I do watch it, you know, it pops up constantly in my feed and I can't watch too many of these. Uh, you know, I can't. That's why I'm not on Facebook is because I am there, but I never check it because it's just like, oh my goodness, everything's a political this or a political that. And it, you just get worked up. I get all hot and bothered. So, uh, you know, that'll be my recommendation, Rebel News. There's other news agencies. And I guess maybe more generally, my recommendation is to look beyond your normal sources of information. And dare I say, look on the other side, look to the other side. By yourself, not in a point where you ever think that you're going to debate the other side or you're going to attack the other side. Just look at it. Think for yourself. Look at what's happening from every single angle. 
I think that is one of the most important things that we can do, including the angle that you don't agree with. You know, if I have a certain stance on this subject matter, I'm going to look at it genuinely from the other stance. What are they seeing that I don't? I think it's important if you truly want to understand what's happening and form the best logic in your own mind, you need all of the story. You need every angle. So that, I guess, is my recommendation. A much bigger recommendation than just Rebel News, but check Rebel News out. Interesting. Um, uh, very, very big on independence and freedom. Uh, you, may, you may agree with that. You may not. And that's totally fine. We don't have to agree with each other. We just have to be respectful to each other. So with that said, I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like this show, uh, consider giving it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, From the stuff I'm learning, that helps a lot. That really helps get these shows uh, in front of more people. And um, thank you to the Makery Network. A lot of great podcasts over there. Craig Lockwood putting in all that work and really, truly appreciated. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I hope you enjoy making stuff. Stay safe, like like actually physically safe. I'm not saying stay safe. Like, eh. I'm sick of people telling everybody to stay safe. Don't cut your fingers off. That's the kind of safe I'm saying. You know, don't burn yourself bad this week or try not to do whatever, but go in your shop, make some fun stuff and have a good time being safe, doing it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.